even a new fresh lawyer, if you can tell us if there are myths about that that you would like to dispel. <laughs> Asking as a about to be a new fresh lawyer. <laughs> well, <laughs> what, you, one thing that I've found and you know, Richard was an amazing professor. He taught me constitutional law, but I don't know if I learned a lot from any of my professors about how to actually practice law. <laughs> Richard, what do you think about that? I, I think it's entirely true. Welcome to What's Law Got to Do With It? A lighthearted look at life in law school. I'm Professor Richard Haig. And I'm no longer a law student, Felicity Redan. <laughs> what, what do we call you then, Felicity? I Free? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, happy, finally relaxed. Any of the above, I will do. will do. Okay, we can call you happy and free. I thought you were always happy and free before. Don't tell me you weren't. I mean, you know, it's like you don't know what you've got till you no longer have to care about the grade curve all day and every day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, there's that. But, uh, yeah, so that's enough. That's all the weight has lifted. Just that. I mean, it's a lot of weight. I got to say that was a a heavy thing that I got to put down. Although the next heavy thing that I picked up was the bar materials, which were literally marked with a heavy package logo when I got them in the mail. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. See, so it's just one hurdle after another. And now there's a new weight on your shoulders, (laughs) but I got to say, it's not as bad. <laughs> no, no. And you're smiling. And I think we, didn't we mention one recently on a podcast that has not yet come out, but how you're, you've got a good attitude towards the bar ads. You're not taking them too seriously. You you know, you're going to pass. That's right? it. I simply refuse to be stressed about them after so, being, I've just taken three years of bar prep. And if that doesn't prepare me, I got some words for Osgood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and if I fail, I will just not tell anybody and write it again. It's all yeah. good. Except me. You'll tell me. I'll tell you, but then and I'll, I will, I'll, and I'll I will make not. you sign a, yeah. I don't know what. I, no, don't, I haven't studied yet. I don't need to sign anything. <laughs> I would never tell a soul. It would be it would be my secret. It'd be good tea for the pod, though. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well, that is great to hear. I'm so glad. You look happy uh, for those listeners that can't see, but I can see a very happy Felicity. So that's, that is good. And actually, I'm really happy today because we have a... I think I say this every time. We have a very special guest, but this guest is beyond special because this is our a returning guest, not just any returning guest, but you know what? I'm gonna let I'm gonna let her introduce herself, and then people who've listened to this podcast for quite some time will know how special this is. Over to you, special guest. Beyond special, I like that. So uh, I was the first guest on Richard's podcast, Lillianne Kajishaw, back again for round two uh, with more thoughts. Yes. <laughs> I was actually doing uh, all I could to not interject before I'd been introduced about all my thoughts on the dystopian experience of writing the bar exam, which... Uh, Felicity, you will soon experience. Um, but I'll save that until until introductions were, are over. Oh, okay. You were chomping at the bit, you mean, about that? You, you were, I'm glad you held off because our we have to have... I, I, all, things have changed or solidified, Lil, since you were on the podcast. We have a kind of a set routine. 
and there's always a bit of banter between the two co-hosts for a couple of minutes where the guest has to sit idly by <laughs> and not say a word. And you did, you did well, even if you didn't know that was the rule. So, uh, thank you. I was reading the vibe of the room. Yeah. And the other thing we have is a standard question, which again, I don't think we had back in your day, which is, uh, and, and now you really are going to be on the spot because we have to ask our guest a favorite movie or film or sorry, movie or film, film or TV show or podcast related to law that you can recommend to listeners. Did we do that with you, by the way? I can't remember. No, I don't recall this question. Okay. But I have an answer. I very recently watched The Trial of Chicago 7. And being a millennial, I believe it is, I didn't really have any context for uh, that particular historical event. Um, and I watched the, the movie um, just completely aghast that it represented true events. Um, when we walked in here this morning, they were chanting that the whole world is watching. If we leave here without saying anything about why we came in the first place, it'll be heartbreaking. The last summer, why did you come to the convention? To end the war. We're giving them exactly what they want, a stage and an audience. How much is it worth to you? What's your price? To call off the revolution? In fact, I wasn't fully convinced when I watched it that it was based on true events. I assumed it had been exaggerated for dramatic purposes. And then after the movie was done, I did a deep dive and realized not only had the movie not been exaggerated, it had actually downplayed a lot of what had gone on during that massive trial um, of the uh, of the Democratic National Committee and Bobby Seale and all of those uh, rioters. Sorry, my cats just joined the podcast. You may hear some meows in the background. A very, very special guest. Yeah, that's another one. Uh, so yes. I highly recommend the film. It was a great watch. In particular, I don't want to give too much away, but Sasha Baron Cohen is in it. And he is absolutely outstanding. Yes. I was yes. A bit surprised at how Borat. great he was. Borat. Like Adam Hoffman. Yeah. It is a good film. I've seen it. Uh, and uh, you're not, I think you're the second person to recommend that film. So that's good. That I'm glad to, glad. And you learned something from that film, it sounds like. So that's. I did. Uh, after the movie was over, I went to look at some of Abby Hoffman's transcripts from the actual trial <laughs> because he was such a, a character I needed to learn more. And a lot of the dialogue of the movie was lifted word for word from those transcripts. They were highly entertaining. Right, right. Do you think that one day someone will do that to your transcripts? Is that now what you're aiming for in your legal career? <laughs> yes, to give the most entertaining transcripts possible. <laughs> Uh, so okay, his, cool. his buddy, Jerry Rubin, Abby Hoffman and Jerry Rubin were, were, were both sort of involved in that. And, but they split, I think I, I, this is going to be me going off on a limb and maybe getting things wrong, but I think, so they were the yippies, right? That was their kind of nickname. And then Rubin became, he coined the term or developed the term yuppie because he thought that they should 
basically that once they had a bit of power, the baby boomers, then it, it was important for him to sort of develop this idea and go against Abby and become a, a yuppie. So that's why the yippies and the yuppies exist. Uh, and Reuben came to our law school to talk, so I, I, that's, that was the connection. We never had Abby Hoffman at the law school, though. That's too bad. <laughs> uh, what was Reuben like? He was a classic yuppie, preppy yuppie. He didn't, yeah, he wasn't wasn't uh, radical at all by that time, and that, that's why I think the two split because I think Abby Hoffman stayed radical till the end. So, uh, over to you, Felicity. I I've oh, been. Man. I can't ranting. follow that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't follow that. You mean, I, you, you, mean you don't uh, I understand? Guess we should... You can't follow because you don't understand. No, I just. You... Oh, okay. no, no, not that kind of follow. <laughs> as in, I just, you know, I don't have anything good to add about the trial of the Chicago Seven. Otherwise, other than I like it. Yeah. But oh. I guess that's a good point, uh, a good signal for us that maybe it's time to wrap up our first question um, <laughs> yes. and move on to to the rest of our chat with Lil. And I, I, I have a, a first question for you here. Um, I know on your first episode, I don't know how well you remember. But we talked about, or we, you and Adam and Richard talked about the myths of law school. And I'm wondering if you can, after a couple years, uh, having been having been a new fresh lawyer, if you can tell us if there are myths about that that you would like to dispel. <laughs> Asking as a about to be a new fresh lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is a good question. Well, <laughs> what well, you one thing that I've found, and you know, Richard was an amazing professor. He taught me constitutional law, but I don't know if I learned a lot from any of my professors about how to actually practice law. <laughs> Richard, what do you think about that? I I think it's entirely true. Did you let me just 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 throw the bat just to throw this back to you before I answer more fully? Did you learn anything about? the practice of law from the Supreme Court of Canada judges that you clerked with either? No. (laughs) (laughs) Not particularly. Um, Um, I mean, I certainly learned a lot about the law itself, the substantive nature of the law, but uh, the actual practice of it, which is so much of it, uh, I definitely only learned by doing in the last year or so. Yeah. And, you know, Sorry, go, no, go ahead a little, finish, and I'll, I'll jump in. Well, one piece of advice I would give to younger me would be to have gotten practical experience sooner. And lots of law school students do that. They have summer positions at law firms, etc. I did not, for some reason. I had very academic endeavors during my summers, and I didn't take advantage of really any practical uh, opportunities, perhaps to my detriment, but that's advice I would give to my younger self. Not really the question. I've spun the question. Sorry no. for listening. The myth is that law school teaches you anything at all. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, I, okay. So I'm going to, I'll jump in. I think first of all, I don't know how law schools can be any different. And, I, and I'm going to throw this one to Felicity in a minute, but I think, so I did a professional degree before law. I did engineering. And then I did law. And in neither case would it be remotely possible for what I learned in engineering to relate to what it was like to be an engineer and what I learned in law 
to relate to what it was like to be a lawyer. I just don't know if that that's the purpose of a university education, for one thing. Um, and so it, you know, it's, it is important, I think, for people to realize that there's a big gap between the two. Um, but it's not a failure, right? I, I don't think. I think to me that's the, you can't think of it as an inadequate education. You just have to think of the education component as something different. Uh, that doesn't satisfy a lot of people, though, because I know you're right. And I didn't do much summer work either as a lawyer. I finally got sort of into the practice later on, and I was completely, you know, at sea for two, three months uh, before I finally figured it out. So you're right. If you want that, I think you're, it, it is good to try to get some experience while you're in law school. Um, I but, have I have a two part response. So since you said so, you were going to throw. Well, it back I, to yeah. So the reason I was the reason I wanted to throw it back to you because you did a professional degree as well. So I wondered whether there was, uh, you know, it's a hands on profession physiotherapy. So maybe it was more connected to the practice. So there. Yeah, yeah. Now now I have a three part answer. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the physio degree was very uh, obviously not like the practice because you don't have your own sort of caseload. But the idea is by the end of the program, you should be able to carry a caseload fully by yourself. Um, and in your final placement, you like try to do that. So it was very practical, but we had a lot of practical sort of units throughout the program. And that kind of relates to my other point that I was going to say, I think we kind of come to think that law school is just sort of a university education and it's sort of an ivory tower thing and it doesn't, it's not supposed to be practical. But I mean, if we just look over at Ryerson or at or Alaskan, like they found a way, uh, they're doing it. And they're, the idea is that they don't have to article because they've kind of graduated in a, or they will graduate in a better position to start the practice of law. So I wonder if, I wonder if we'll see that in, in a couple of years time or if they'll still feel the same way we do. Yeah. Lost and, and, afraid and, and all the time. <laughs> I, you're right. And uh, engineering schools have changed a lot since I went there, right? A lot of them now have internships where you have to do those work work placements for certain times. So I, I, I think that is a, you know, it, it's something that's useful. I still think the academic discipline of law is important, though, as well um, to have. Um, so, so, okay, so Lil, are you comfortable now in your own skin, though, as a lawyer? It didn't take too long, right? Did it? That's the thing, right? Yes, I am. But there's always something new that you have to learn how to do for the first time as a lawyer, um, whether it's, you know, your first time doing examinations for discovery or your first time arguing an appeal or there's always something new. So I don't think there's ever really a state of status or, or comfort. Oh, well, and the other thing I'm doing that I actually wanted to talk to you about, Richard, because I need your advice on this, is started co-teaching class. Oh. And, well, that's just a whole other skill that I have no experience in whatsoever and need to uh, need to figure out as I go. Oh, that's interesting. Were you roped into that? Or you, you're... I was roped in. <laughs> Kindly asked to help out. <laughs> Yes, we're teaching uh, torts um, for the JPLLM program, which is for students who are getting their Canadian legal accreditation. And um, it's really quite a skill in and of itself, uh, aside from the fact that I'm, you know, teaching myself a few doctrines that 
I may have missed during my own legal education as I write my lesson plans, I'm also now having to think about how to convey that uh, in an exciting and interesting, but also clear way to other people. Richard, how do you do that? Well, <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, does it give you sympathy for Richard? Yes, it does. I think, every, yeah, you know what? Every student should have to teach because you realize that it's not so easy. But, you know, it's again, I think it just to turn the question around slightly is, it's really good practice for a litigator because really you're trying to educate judges, right? When you're up in front of them in a way that's both easily manageable for them, but also kind of obviously there's an, uh, an advocacy element, which is not necessarily the same as pure teaching, but it's, you know, you are trying to bring them along, right? And get them to agree with what you're saying. And so I think that that's, it will help you in your advocacy, I think. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I think thinking about how to frame things in a, in a way that you could teach it to someone else, they always say that's the best way to learn is to teach it to someone else. Mm. One of the big anxieties of teaching I have is what to do when students ask me a question I don't know the answer to. And um, just make it up, make it up, <laughs> make up nonsense, always an option. <laughs> Throw it back to the students. See yep. if they have the answer. Yeah. Um, or one one other tool I was thinking was give them extra credit for answering the question and teaching it to the rest of the class. <laughs> Basically, delegating teaching to the students. <laughs> yeah, that's those are <laughs> all good. Do my all really me. good techniques. Um, I think yeah, especially at, well, I I definitely use more of the latter in upper year courses where you, you kind of expect more from the students, so you. You know, you get them to, they'll ask a question and you say, well, you, you know, why don't you go sort, find that out, find out the answer. Uh, I don't do that as much with first years, but. So, okay. Yeah, sticking with the analogy oh. of this being like litigating, imagine saying to a judge, well, why don't you figure it out? And I'll give you extra credit if you come back and tell me. Yeah, yeah it doesn't quite work in all situations. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So, so that's one myth. Any other myths? That was a good good start, though. The practice of law well, is yeah, vastly come different. Back. Yes, myth number one. Yeah. To, I mean, to go back to the original question, I guess one thing I've learned is that, at least in litigating, it's all about getting comfortable with, I don't want to say discomfort, um, but there is a sense that you're always learning. Um because being a litigator is just a, a style of lawyering. It doesn't mean you're an expert in, in all fields and you can never be. So I'm, I'm definitely learning to uh, be comfortable with, with not always being comfortable. And you weren't in law school? Law school think? doesn't teach you anything, part two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... Okay, that's good. I, I was going to ask any, well, sorry, before we move on, I was anything else you wanted to ask about myths, Felicity, or add in? No, no, let's, that's, those are what's good. your next question? Well, I, I it wasn't really a question. Was, I was just going to ask Lil to just much more of a generic, broad-based question is, tell us how you've been the last three years. Do you prefer law school to practice? Are you, uh, you know, what, what uh, how's it been? I'm just a just a general sense of things about your your own life. Well, I love school. Uh, I've always loved school. So I, I I think 
I think I'll always love the atmosphere of of school and I definitely miss law school to that extent. This is actually really the first time I've I've had a real professional nine to five gig in my life because prior to law school, I was a journalist and it wasn't like a nine to five thing. It was a freelance thing and, um, <laughs> and it paid haphazardly. And this is the first time I feel like a, a real professional. <laughs> um, and it takes some getting used to. Of course, now with COVID, things are all over the place. Um, I'm trying to get back to that professional routine that I had started when I began practice, at least by going into the office once a week and putting on human clothes, because being in your pajamas while trying to be professional, um, there's a dissonance there. (laughs) It just doesn't feel like work, right? I I know. When I teach, I do not wear my pajamas. Even though that's, you, that's probably for the best. You could, you could. Uh, so, all right. And so you, I, you had a thought about going back and doing graduate work, didn't you? Am I right about that? You're still contemplating that then, because you do. I remember you love school. You've always said that. So. Yeah, I, I have always thought about um, going back to school for the goal of maybe becoming a professor, but uh, it seems like a long, arduous journey. A uh, long, arduous, expensive journey. I don't know. I, I haven't quite committed to that yet. I'm going to practice a little bit more. And um, I mean, I am kind of falling in love with litigating a bit, but it's still a dream. <laughs> that's good. It's in the background. Yeah. That's good, though. That's good on many fronts. Plus, you're doing a little bit, you're doing some teaching now, which is like an experiment, right? To see. That's good. That, that, exactly. That's all good. It's all good. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to get roped into that after, and then find out you hate teaching after you've done a PhD. Right. <laughs> Good to find out now. <laughs> it's 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 funny. Most, so many of uh, the academic lawyers like me that are full time. So we're not the not the adjuncts, but the ones who are at a university. <laughs> I think our goal is often to find students that we can convince to go into academia because it's typically not the route that anybody ever thinks about doing when they go to law school, right? You go there and you think you're going to become a lawyer. Um, and yet we, you know, we are an institution that needs, we need young, we need young bodies to, to join the academy as well. So you have to try and convince lightly, I guess, light touch. <laughs> uh, what do you, what, what's the sell here? Let's hear the hard sell, Richard. No, I'm not doing that. Not with, <laughs> uh, I just try to make it, uh, that's partly this podcast, right? I'm, I'm trying to make it seem so that it's a fun place to be, unlike the practice of law. Which is <laughs> so there, is that enough of a hard sell? I get to do this. This is just great. That's uh, true. I'm also just finishing grading, though, which is the absolute worst part of being an academic. So. Uh, so there's, it's like any job. There are bad, bad bits and good bits. If you're still here saying that it's a good, a good gig while you just finished grading exams, I got to think that's pretty good. <laughs> that's, that's, that's as low you're, as your absolute gets. worst part of the job. Yes. And yeah. 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 Can you, uh, so, so okay. I guess to, that leads me to the next. Yes. Oh, back sorry. to you, Felicity. That leads me to a follow on question for Lil. 
what's the worst part about being a litigator? <laughs> if grading is the worst part about being a prop, what is? <laughs> An excellent question, Felicity. What is the worst part about being a litigator? It's honestly, and most simply the fact that you quite frequently don't have control over your own life when big uh, deadlines loom on the horizon. You often have to drop every other part of both your job and your life outside of your job to deal with it. You know, if you're bringing an injunction, that will be your life for three to five full days, full days, not just nine to five days um, or or any other kind of court deadline. And that's one thing I always admired about you, Richard, is that you always had a lot of um, freedom in your schedule to do a, a range of interesting things that seemed to um, coincide in a Venn diagram with your main teaching job, where there was the, you know, public policy um, connection with York or this podcast or all of that, you you found a way to do all of these interesting, exciting things. In litigation, I, I find that it's hard to commit to a whole bunch of endeavors outside of it for fear that I won't be able to commit to them when big deadlines come along. You're at the mercy of your clients or your superiors, I guess, is what it boils down to, right? And I don't. That's right. Yeah, and yeah. at the mercy of the court yes. in a lot of ways. The one thing, so I have a good friend who, uh, I, you might know him, Lil. I can't remember if you met Michael in Ottawa. But anyway, he, the problem for him, having deadlines is actually the only thing that would stop him from doing, going crazy. Because he, he has, deadlines allow him to focus his mind so that he has to, you know, he knows there's a time in which he has to submit something. Because otherwise he would just never, ever finish a task. So I think for some people that is actually a good thing. Not everybody though, um, but it does, you know. And you're right. It 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 can it can make it can wreak havoc with your planning and scheduling. Whereas I I you know I can just plan things. I know everything in advance. I, there's there's really very little in academia that comes on as an emergency, right? So that's why I can do what I do. Uh, on the outside because I have the time to plan those things. Uh, and I guess it's just more difficult as a litigator. Well, as a lawyer, probably in general, right? I was going to say, I'm interested to hear you say that because I've always heard that litigating is like, I think I'm on a bit of a delay, um, but yeah. that litigating is a bit more structured because you do have the deadlines coming up and things like that. Whereas like transactional work can just blow up overnight and you have no idea when it's going to come. But it sounds like litigating is just yeah. the same as transactional work. <laughs> Things do tend to blow up. Yeah. <laughs> that just sounds awful. <laughs> so that was that that was the low point then. When blow well, up. but the thing is you get a rush when you do it and that makes it worthwhile. I mean, I was thinking the last time we did an injunction, it was three days of doing nothing else. All other work got put to the side. All other aspects of my life got put to the side. I don't think I showered. <laughs> um, but at the end of it, there was such a great feeling of adrenaline that is really like hard to find in, in many other uh, many other jobs. It gets you hooked, Yeah, that adrenaline rush. That's I, how they get you. <laughs> I think Felicity is going to agree to that. 
that's my sense oh yeah. yeah yeah i think so i think so that's i i mean i i you know richard that i'm leaning in the direction of litigation yeah, of yeah. some kind so. yeah well and and lil good. may not know but felicity loves mooting and and that's kind of it it's part of that adrenaline rush i think you get from that uh is so so do you get that often enough to make up for the blow-ups <laughs> well no <laughs> whether you're successful or not right oh i see <laughs> um i mean when things go your way it's it's always worth it it always feels great no matter how many sacrifices you may have had to make but when you lose <laughs> really okay wait 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 i need to ask more here so it doesn't uh so the ultimate outcome is important to you it's not as if you felt like you did the best you could and you lost and that's couldn't good enough you don't feel that way i think you get the adrenaline rush no matter what and i think the adrenaline rush makes it worthwhile it's so it's so exhilarating it's so fun it really makes the job exciting and felicity you probably felt that rush when you did mooding already you've gotten a taste for it so you probably know what i'm talking about and I think that alone makes it worthwhile. But when you think about the sacrifices you had to make, um, the outcome does play a role in, <laughs> right. in how I feel about the whole and, thing. Yeah, I guess so. And the client obviously will be ecstatic or not. And that makes a difference too. Um, so, I think one big difference with, with mooting, and it's funny because I have had the experience of doing well at a moot and the experience of doing not well at a moot. And I think outcome does make a difference to how you feel about it. Um, but I also had the experience of Richard being there being like, it's the process <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> I tried so this is a familiar that. conversation to me. <laughs> um, but I think the difference between mooting and litigating is that when you litigate, you know, to some extent, the uh, outcome is sort of out of your hands. Like there is an extent to which the law is the law and sometimes you just have a crappy case and you just have to not take it personally. I think that's harder in mooting because it's it's literally just about whether or not they like you. <laughs> <laughs> there is, a, yeah, a lot of that, I think. Uh, mooting is harder in some ways because, I mean, with litigating, you live with these files for sometimes years. In mooting, I was always so impressed by mooters who, you know, you would... Some of the moots were were very uh, quick turnarounds. You were given problems and uh, not a lot of time to live with them and were then off to moot them. I was always very impressed by that. Didn't you, you didn't moot, Lil? No. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> no, I never mooted. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. Well, I, oh. not true. I did the first, the 1L moot oh, that oh. everyone does. I don't yeah. think I did very well. That doesn't count though anyway, that one. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so any of the ones that we don't win doesn't count. Doesn't count. <laughs> this year's move didn't count. See how uh, much I, I'm glad I influenced Felicity in some way, even if it's just a just a tiny, tiny bit. Uh, so, Lil, I got to ask you and we're, we, we probably need to start thinking about winding up. But I, I have to ask you what. So remember, this podcast is really focused or directed to prospective law students and first years. And so I just wonder what you would be your words of wisdom now to those two groups and would they be different for a prospective student versus a first year student? Um, they would be different. For a prospective student, 
I would say make sure you talk to law, other law school students, um, lawyers who have graduated, professors before you make the decision to go. So you know what the profession looks like, what the practice of law looks like. And so you can shape the direction you want to go in. I didn't really uh, do that. <laughs> I, I, I wish you and I were the same. I had no idea right, going in. <laughs> when I'm blind, yeah. completely blind. Yeah. And I didn't really know what lawyering meant or what the kinds of um, practices of law looked like. And so I talked to a lot of um, a lot of people now. I went to a liberal arts university and a lot of my friends have sadly useless degrees. And so a lot of them turn their minds to law school and a lot of them talk to me about it, <laughs> but whether they should go. And I've had this conversation with a lot of people. Um, a lot of my friends are interested in public interest litigation, for example, and that's a great reason to go to law school, but you should know what public interest work in Canada looks like uh, before you make the decision because it could mean working for an NGO. It could mean um, being a litigator in which you're not just going to be doing public interest work. You're going to be doing all sorts of other work to keep the lights on. Um, it could mean all sorts of different things. And you have to figure out what you want to get out of your profession or your life um, before deciding whether the profession is right for you. For one all law students, I mean, you're already here, so. You're stuck. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> but you should absolutely be trying as many different things as possible to figure out what suits you and your personality. I mean, one thing I'm learning is that there are so many different ways to be a lawyer or to just even be in the legal field, not necessarily a lawyer. And figuring out what works best with your personality, with what you want out of your lifestyle, involves trying a lot of different things and seeing what sticks, which is such a uh, an amazing thing about law school, particularly Osgood. You have all of these opportunities to try all sorts of things. So take advantage of them. That would be my advice. Good advice. Very good for both, both groups. And what do you have advice for Felicity, <laughs> who's just finished oh, <laughs> and boy. is kind of following and she's clerking. She's going to be doing what you do. Clerking opens doors, doesn't it? That may not have existed before. Yes, certainly. I mean, it, it, and it definitely opens the academic door if that's something you're interested in. Um, my advice, enjoy the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm most excited about. No, I'm kidding. I'm excited for the work. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be checking in on Felicity next year and making sure she is enjoying the mountains at least some of the time. Uh, oh yeah, it's that's the best part about if anyone is later on in law school and thinking, or I guess it's pretty early on that you have to decide. Anyone interested in a clerkship? The one nice thing about that is you do get your evenings and weekends, so you can enjoy the mountains and you can enjoy Ottawa or Toronto, wherever you want to be. <laughs> I have one other piece of advice, actually, now that I'm Good. reflecting. Don't get caught up with what other people are doing or the direction in which other people seem to be going. I think it's very easy in law school to find yourself getting funneled in specific directions. And 
I'm not exactly sure why that is. It, it could be because, you know, with a lot of type A personalities, there's an impression that there's a right way to do things and then a not right way to do things. But that's absolutely not true. And I'm a strong believer in forging the path that works best for you, regardless of what other people are doing. Um, resist the temptation to go to Bay Street because it's the thing you think you need to do. Or resist the temptation to clerk because it's the thing you think you need to do. Uh, if it doesn't work for you, it's not right for your personality. Or if it's not what you're interested in. Yeah. So that's good. We 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 tried to we we constantly try to say things like that. I think both Felicity and I, and uh, it's good to hear it from you as well. There is a herd mentality at law school that just it yes. just needs to be. Uh, I don't know how that happened, but it seems to exist everywhere. Yeah. So the more people that listen to this and more people that choose to go against the grain will be better. Law schools will be better off for it. It'll be more fun for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to end this. I gotta, I'm going to put Lil on the spot and ask her. This is, this is a fun question. So I just taught a upper year seminar on federalism this term. And in the last class, I decided to have a little bit of a contest because I gave away a gift. And I, I needed, I asked a question that I, that nobody could Google. So I'm going to put the same question to you, Lil. So my question was, of the existing Supreme Court of Canada bench, who is my favorite judge? Oh. I'll ask both of you that, but you, it's mainly for Lil because she's the guest. Currently on the bench or just alive and previously Currently on the bench. On the bench. No, because I have a a favorite from before but i didn't i know who your favorite i know who your favorite from before. <laughs> <laughs> so, so i was hoping yeah. that was the question yeah, no no because i think i give that one away usually so so you well, go first lil uh for optics i'm gonna choose my own judge justice Kara casanis in case she's listening uh it's clearly her okay and felicity i i have a two i have two potential guesses but i'm gonna guess abella Oh, okay. I that's... guess currently on the court for the next month. <laughs> yes, I know. She's just under the wire. Well, that's good. They're both way better guesses than one student guessed Brown. And I thought, come on, I, I, having listened to me for four months to teach this class and often the only judge I rail against is Brown. <laughs> I can't, I couldn't believe one student chose Brown. But anyway. Well, for politics, I understand why you wouldn't pick Brown, but his voice, he, first of all, he sounds like Batman. It's excellent. <laughs> and second of all, he has a sharp tongue on the bench. He's hilarious. Oh, I know. He's worth listening to for sure. Yeah. And maybe that's what the student thought because I constantly talked about his questioning from the bench. Anyway, no, the reason I singled you out for this because the, the answer was exactly what it, it was your judge. Really? That I said was my favorite. Yeah. So there you go. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, I'm <laughs> going to send her the link to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Well. She's got two supporters right here. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think we are, uh, we have to conclude. So it, it, uh, Lil, do you want to be my co-host now that Felicity's leaving? <laughs> that was the whole purpose behind <laughs> this. No, I'm kidding. But it was really great to come back and I, I hope you don't go away. I hope I can come back to you every, every so often. Uh, cause you are the Anytime. guest number one, guest number one is always a special place. And, uh, and co-host number two. And co-host number two. <laughs> Felicity and I are, we're struggling to figure out how we're going to deal with the the kind of 
the parting of the ways. I, I don't even know if we have another guest lined up before Felicity goes. So the podcast divorce. Yeah, it's too bad. It's too oh, bad. Sorry. oh, no, we're supposed to end on a light note. Yeah, it's a so a... Felicity, can you end us on a on a, on a nice oh, light boy. note? <laughs> where's your where's norman you where's your okay notes? well fine it's i guess it's it's ending on a it's a podcast divorce but one that was you know mutual because richard wrote the reference letter that got me the job that makes me have to leave That's so true. it's here my we go. fault i i have only myself to blame <laughs> that's right if i hadn't written that letter you'd have stayed co-host all right that's good that's good and the fact that you both have pets that came on camera for a little bit is also well or we heard on camera and plus remember back 20 minutes ago when we started we were both all in great moods so that's 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 a good way to end it i'd say i'll uh, end uh, i can end us on a <laughs> all right go ahead Lily, you a note i don't know if it's a yeah. good note uh we were speaking about transcripts uh, this podcast was not the first time my cat has interrupted Zoom uh, sessions. He has also made himself present on more than one transcript. <laughs> oh, they, they actually they put the meow on the transcript? <laughs> not the meow, but you can hear me going, sorry, that's oh. my cat. He's circling the premises. Uh, that's a word for work for one of my transcripts. Oh, really? I'm that's... here live and I am a cat. So they do, yes. <laughs> So they do type everything out. Uh, they do, unfortunately. Well, so so good to see you, Lil, and thanks again for uh, joining us. We will talk to you later. Thanks so much for having me. Oh.